On Exploring History today, we'll look at a little personal history, namely mine, and we'll talk about a dream that every family has, peace in your home. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. In the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus sent the 70 out to the cities to which he would be going, part of his instructions to them were, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. Luke 10, verse 5. What a wonderful prayer this is for the homes in our world today. Peace be to this house. That prayer strikes a deep chord in the hearts of every family especially those who live with the burdens of strife and busyness within their walls. It's what every family wants and needs, peace in their house. Many parents, and a lot of children, whisper some form of this request in their own prayers. When we began this podcast series a few weeks ago, I indicated that we would sometimes talk about family life and our personal walk with God. In today's podcast, I'd like to share some ideas about strengthening your marriage and family. I know I can't change the world in 10 minutes, but I want to talk about some things that I believe can make a real difference, and I want to tell you about some things that have helped us in our home. First, let's think about marriage. When I was a minister and offered premarital counseling to couples getting married, I emphasized three topics— family of origin issues, male-female differences, and respect and cherish issues. A husband and wife each brings into their marriage a collection of things that they picked up in their own homes. They bring interests, habits, and expectations. Some of these things are gifts, such as Charlene's dad's penchant for getting everyone into the car and going places. That example influenced us to enjoy traveling to many places with our children. Other things people learn at home can be burdens that make their lives difficult in their own adult years. Most children grow up to follow in their parents' footsteps. That can be good or that can be not so good. But it's important to recognize this. Adjust to each other all you need to. And sometimes even laugh when you find yourself doing things the way mom did it, or what dad always did. Second, God created us male and female. These identities define our total selves. A couple will often let these differences become sources of conflict, but they can be opportunities for growth when a husband and wife learn new ways of seeing things. For example, Charlene has helped me see people in a much more sensitive way than how I did from my male orientation. Driving a car is one way that a husband and wife's male-female differences can show up. Early in our marriage, we agreed that when we were going somewhere in the car, the non-driving partner had the freedom to say what needed to be said to keep us safe. I'd much rather Charlene call out, Watch out for that deer, or There's a car pulling out than for us to have an accident because I was too prideful to receive help. This is not the same as criticizing the other person's driving. That's another matter. And guys, it's no shame to stop and ask for directions. Third, in Ephesians 5, Paul told wives to respect their husbands, 
and he told husbands to cherish their wives. He said this because husbands need their wives to respect them deeply and genuinely, and wives need their husbands to cherish them deeply and lovingly. Wives show respect for their husbands by the way they talk to them, the way they talk about them to others, and the way they think about them. Husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church by laying down their agendas for the sake of what their wives want and need. A husband and wife are not going to be perfect, but they still deserve respect and love. In that kind of marital environment, each will be able to grow toward more of what they want and need to be. Now, as difficult as it is to give advice about marriage, it's even more difficult to give advice about rearing children. But here goes. Treat your children with the value that God gives them, as Jesus taught his disciples to do. Love them, cherish them, and treat them as worthy of your best time and attention. Hobbies can come later. Your children need you now. And children, your parents are not the knuckleheads that you see portrayed in movies and on TV. Your parents have things to teach you, things that will help you now and in the future. Listen to them and be willing to learn from them. And don't quit listening to them when you grow up. I encourage you to create fun family memories. Take trips together and actually do things together, not individually, while on those trips. Sometimes, at least, all of you put away your phones and see the real world around you. Create fun memories at home, too. Two of our favorite activities we did together at home were watching classic black-and-white movies and reading classic literature aloud. Doing these things gave us shared stories that are part of our cherished memories. They also gave us a stock of movie and book quotes that became part of what we still say to each other. We had a regular family night pretty much every week while our children were growing up. Only rarely did we ever set it aside for some outside demand. It's neat now to see our children having weekly family nights with their families. The world needs authentic Christians, not people who are charming churchgoers in public and at each other's throats in private. The best place to develop authentic Christianity is in the home, where we are challenged to be like Jesus every day with the people we are closest to. It's important to be absolutely honest about ourselves and freely forgiving toward others. Let me encourage you to deal with anger. The book of James in the New Testament tells us that anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. This is true whether someone lashes out because of it or stuffs it down and lets it develop into bitterness or depression. Sometimes we have to get help from someone else to resolve the issues we face, someone who can see more clearly and objectively than the people involved in a conflict can. It's no shame to seek help. It's really a wise thing to do. I encourage you to pray about your marriage and family. In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let peace be to this house become your prayer.
Not only does God answer prayer, but also a sense of peace comes into your heart by sitting down and quietly turning your struggles over to God. One of the major failings in homes today is that people leave out the spiritual dimension, when in fact it is the most important part of our lives. Peace in our hearts can lead to peace in our homes. A family life that knows peace can be more than just a dream or a wish for you, but you will need to make it a top priority. This will require you to do what Paul says in Romans 14 verse 19, pursue the things which make for peace. We can't get our signals from the world's way of doing things. We have to get our pattern from Christ. Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He can calm the storms of life, and He can calm you when you are in those storms. When Jesus rules your home, you will be able to know peace there. For as Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. And now I'd like to take the last few minutes of this podcast to talk about a family member who has been very special to me all of my life, my big brother, Alan. Alan and I grew up in about as typical an American family as you can imagine, with one exception. Alan and I were baby boomers who lived in a small American town. Our dad was a soldier in Europe during World War II. The exception was that our mom was an English lady whom dad met at church while he was stationed in the city of Bristol, England prior to D-Day. When dad was in Europe during the final days of the war, he went back to England for them to be married in April of 1945, shortly before the war in Europe ended. Alan was a baseball and football star, Little League home run king and intimidating pitcher, an all-star at the Babe Ruth and American Legion levels, and co-captain of his high school football team. I, on the other hand, was a sports washout. But Alan and I spent a big part of our growing up years playing wiffle ball in the backyard. We called it the PBL, Plastic Ball League. Alan almost always won, but at least he spent time with his non-athletic little brother. As I said, we were pretty typical Americans. In television shows we watched, Ozzie and Harriet Nelson had two sons. On Leave it to Beaver, Ward and June Cleaver had two sons. Wes and Joan Notgrass in Columbia, Tennessee had two sons. Dad worked for the local newspaper. Mom stayed home and kept the house. We went to church on Sundays. Dad, Mom, and I went without fail to all of Alan's games, both home and away. After his home baseball games, we'd all go into the local hamburger restaurant for burgers and fries. It's hard for me to overestimate the influence Alan had on me. When he discovered the Beatles, I discovered the Beatles. When he discovered Dave Brubeck's jazz, I discovered Dave Brubeck's jazz. When he discovered Beethoven and classical music, I did the same. I remember well the time he called home from college, long distance, on the landline, the only phone we had, and as a result of the music appreciation class he was taking, he encouraged me to find Dvorak's New World Symphony. I did, on a vinyl album with Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic, and I loved it. Alan graduated from Middle Tennessee State University. Guess where I went to college? I didn't even apply to any other school. 
While working his day jobs of being a high school English teacher and assistant football coach, Allen enlisted in the Tennessee National Guard. That guard involvement eventually became his full-time job. When the guard was folded into the total army, Allen went with it. This meant that he served a tour of duty in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Iraq during the first Persian Gulf War in 1991. Allen eventually achieved the rank of colonel and received the Bronze Star for meritorious service, the same medal our dad received in World War II. Now at holiday time, Allen stages elaborate puppet shows for his grandchildren. He and his wife Shirley spend a lot of time helping with grandkids. He's retired from the Army, but he hasn't slowed down. Among his endeavors have been broadcasting football and basketball games for the local high school and writing for the local newspaper. After our dad's 53 years at the Columbia Daily Herald newspaper, Alan and I both have printer's ink in our veins. Alan celebrates his 75th birthday on March 6th. So, for all the good you've accomplished, for the ways you have influenced me, for your faith in God, I want to say thanks. Happy birthday, Big Al. I love you. And thanks, everyone, for exploring history a little differently with me today. I'm Ray Notgrass. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was produced by me, Titus Anderson. Thanks for listening.